Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden. This is a place where I'm going to connect you with people and resources so you remember that you don't mom alone. This is kind of a special episode. It's number 281. And in it, my virtual assistant, Sarah Jane Menifee, and I are going to be recapping some things I learned from Dr. Henry Cloud. He and Dr. Townsend wrote the book Boundaries, but this episode is centered on how we are made neurologically, psychologically to respond and react to crises. And I thought it was so helpful. It was a seminar sponsored by Compassion International, and I wanted to share the information with you. I also want to share this quote with you. It's from a book I'm reading called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. He as a psychiatrist who was in several concentration camps, including Auschwitz. And he said, an abnormal reaction to an abnormal situation is normal behavior. It is normal that we are finding ourselves struggling and all struggling in unique ways. So this week, we're going to have this episode. And on Friday, Sarah Jane and I will release another episode with information from Ian Cron on Enneagram. Stick around the end of the episode. I'll tell you more about that. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Sarah Jane. Thanks for joining me today on this special bonus Don't Mom Alone episode. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Hopefully my internet signal will hold out while we have this great conversation. Well, you know, as all the listeners can understand, we are doing our best to be moms and wives and employees. And Sarah Jane is joining us from her car outside the library. So that's right. Using the free Wi-Fi creativity in my house with my kids right now. I needed a moment. Yeah. Well, it fits with, I was going to share what I had learned from listening into Dr. Henry Cloud. He's the author of Boundaries and several other books, but uh, Compassion International hosted this master class for its speakers and advocates because we're, we had to cancel so many different events and events is when they have so many thousands of children sponsored. And so this crisis even impacts sponsorship. And they had this masterclass to just pour into the speakers and advocates while they had a lot of time. And Dr. Cloud came on to talk to us about the psychology and the neurology of how God made us and why all of this impacts us so greatly. So I thought I'd kind of break it down and it'd be better to have Sarah Jane here to kind of bounce off of. Uh, There are three sections we're going to basically talk about and action points for each one. So if you're ready, Sarah Jane. I would love to hear how some of the things I've experienced are actually normal for psychology and that I'm not just crazy. Yeah. And I think that helps, especially some of us that just want to get it right. And we think maybe I'm just haven't watched the right YouTube video or read the right book to be okay in this situation. I don't remember learning how to quarantine well (laughs) in college or (laughs) at any point. It wasn't in the parenting books that I read. Mm -mm. Uh, Okay. I'm going to jump into it. So basically Dr. Cloud started off by talking about how our brains make maps So as part of our routine, we naturally follow these maps so that we don't have to, every single time we go to do something, re-come up with the steps to do it. So much of our lives 
our routine. And we know this. So when the trick comes into play is when someone maybe leaves something in the way or something interrupts our normally scheduled brain map or path. And in that moment, when that happens, the brain registers it as an error and adjusts and makes a new map. So let's say I have my route that I normally go to pick up my kids from school and there's some sort of road closure or accident and I kind of have to go out of automatic mode and start thinking about a new way. And it engages my brain in a different way. Well, that is happening right now on so many levels. So many things have been disrupted in our normal routines. And so our brain is like going crazy, trying to continually remap. And so he said something that's really helpful is to get out of just the reacting, responding brain and start, he called it the observing ego, the prefrontal cortex that kind of gets above and looks down at the situation and names it from a distance. So it kind of puts what's going on in a box instead of actively engaging it. And by doing that, It reduces our stress and our judgment of it and our reaction to it. And so his action point was to just say what is different. And this is something I think would be great to do with your kids around the dinner table or breakfast or lunch. You're eating all the meals together. Absolutely. That's what I kept thinking when I read this. I was like, oh, like it's like processing with your kids when any schedule change occurs, only it's a much bigger scale. Like, you you know, you have to tell your kids, okay, we're about to go do this and we're going to do that. And now we're like, we're not going anywhere and we're going to be here. And that's weird, isn't it? Let's just talk about it. You know, that's different. That's super different. Let's list off all the ways we did this after I heard him talk. And it was interesting how many things some of the boys said that were different that they liked, that they were enjoying their school day being done by lunch and getting to play instead of coming home and then doing homework and not being so busy. And then some other things that they didn't like. They miss their friends and they miss going out, all the things that we would all list as different. So maybe that would be your action point for today is to gather with your people or maybe journal in your own (laughs) quiet moment and talk about what's different. I think it's just super healthy for our families to have that culture of like just talking things out, whatever it is. You know, we, it's never like we've talked about in many episodes about just being that safe place for your kid to come and process their feelings. I think it's so great for us to try to model that as well. Like it's not just like we're expecting them to tell us how they feel all the time. It's also really, really healthy for us to say, you know, I'm really stressed out about being your teacher right now and I don't know how to help you. And let's just pray and ask God to help us here, you know, um, and just be honest uh, so that they feel like that that door to being vulnerable is open. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Last night, instead of our normal devotional, we've been at, I shouldn't say normal. It's not normal. It's quarantined devotional time. (laughs) (laughs) We need Jesus more. Yeah, we need, we, we, have been using the foundation book from the Simons and Bruce instead he grabbed that you know feelings chart from raising boys and girls or it's from David Thomas and Sissy Goff. Yes I love that book I got um, raising worry-free girls after we had Sissy Goff on. Yeah well do they have this feelings chart and it has all these faces you can find them if you google emotions and like it's like a bunch of emojis. I can put one in the show notes Heather. Yeah. That'd be great. Thanks, Sarah Jane. And so he pulled it out and I was curious, like he just had each boy go around and we reminded them, which took a lot of reminders that everyone's feelings are their feelings and we don't get to comment on 
their feelings. That's just how they're responding. And, you know, some of the boys were honest to say they were confused. They didn't know when this is ending and the uncertainty of it was what they were feeling and annoyance. And I mean, it was, it was really good. I thought it was a really good exercise. And I think it also showed how some of my boys that um, can be frustrating for some of the other boys were actually the most in tune with their emotions. So I think it, it revealed, yeah, it revealed that I know I'm kind of an emotional moody person and that can be frustrating to, to live with, but I also am really gifted at labeling my feelings and talking about what's going on. And so that's the, like the gift gone awry. Absolutely. Yeah. You're you're more aware of your emotions because you are experiencing them on a high (laughs) level sometimes. (laughs) Well, you know, I have a two-year-old at home, so we're just starting to work on emotional literacy with her. And it's more like we're reading board books and we're like, is, oh, is curious George happy or sad? Mm -hmm. Oh, he's sad. And every now and then she gets really frustrated with life. I think she's really happy to have her sisters home all the time. But every now and then she's, I'm mad. I'm (laughs) mad. And I'm like, that's right. It's okay to say that you're mad. Like, (laughs) I love that I feel more equipped for her as my third kid than I did probably with my first. Well, and with this, the movie Home, do you remember with the aliens? Yeah, where they they show their feelings on their skin. Yeah. And they have sad man. Same with Inside Out. Like, there, it's okay to have that sadness and that, like, oh, more than one of, emotion. Yeah, the mixing that makes it complicated. Um, that you could have this, I'm happy that we're getting more time together, but I'm really, I'm really sad that we've lost a lot of things. So all of those conversations are really helpful. Okay, let's go into second part. The second part of his conversation was on character. And typically when we think of character, we think of moral character. People would say, you're the same when people are looking Um, as when they aren't. And he said, that's really just the absence of duplicity, that you're the same everywhere. That's not character. Character is the makeup of who we are and how we're constructed. And it's a compilation of what we've been experienced in life and how we've experienced that experience. And when it comes to Compassion International, he was pointing out that a lot of these kids that have grown up in poverty, that is their experience. But how they experience that poverty, the character that's built up into them, is dependent on the support that they get because of Compassion International. A child can be in the same experience and experience it differently based on the support of outside help like compassion. And so we're seeing kids that are kind of moving out of that place of poverty and getting education and and becoming doctors and teachers and lawyers. Okay, you've heard me say Compassion International a couple of times. What does that mean? Well, for me, I see faces. I see the faces of boys we've sponsored in Indonesia and the relationships that we have with them. I see hand-drawn pictures from Bagus and my son's pictures back and their sweet little notes to each other across the globe in this relationship that's blooming between two eight-year-old boys. Compassion is more than a program. It's about people. And it's been really cool to watch some of the boys we sponsor graduate, move on, and do amazing things and to stay in relationship with them. One of the boys we sponsored is a friend of mine on Facebook, and he wishes me a happy birthday. I'm praying that those of us who've gone through this corona crisis, if anything, have grown in empathy 
when we've experienced uncertainty and anxiety and loss of control that we could understand those are emotions often felt by those living in poverty and that we have been given a gift to be born where we were and have the resources we have to change the story for children and for communities. So I want to invite you into that level of partnership. Go to Compassion.com forward slash Don't Mom Alone. You'll see my face there. You'll see some beautiful faces of children that you can start a relationship with today. And if you are on your phone, you can text the word HEATHER, all caps, to 833-933. That's the word HEATHER to the number 833-933, and you'll get a link to a child you can sponsor. So if you're already sponsoring, of course, this is a great time to sponsor more or write a letter to your child. We all need words of encouragement, reminders that someone is praying for us and that God is holding all things together for good. If you are curious about the country where your child's living and you want to know more about what the situation is there, you can go to Compassion.com and they're updating as best they can over there. All right, let's get back to Dr. Cloud's point on how character matters in times of crises. He said why this is something he likes to talk about in regards to COVID-19 is this character or this um, makeup is kind of your integrity or your how you're integrated and how a house is built in a solid way is similar to our character. So if a house is built really well, when it's in an earthquake or it's rattled or it's shaken, it's not going to be destroyed because its integrity was strong. But if a house has weak points or he talked about scaffolding on buildings where they're trying to support areas of a building that has weakened, those places are going to be more sensitive to crisis and trauma. And so we need to view ourselves as kind of like a house that is a whole and how we're experiencing this experience of COVID-19 matters. And so... He said, and as part of that, we need to consider our foundation. And he said, the foundation of a house or a human is this sense of bondedness, connectedness to God and people. That relationship is vital to our structural integrity. And so he talked about babies that are neglected perhaps in orphanages where they do brain imaging and they see actual holes or black holes in the brain where because of the neglect, their neurology is actually impacted. And so, yeah, any thoughts on that? Sarah Jane, before I go to our action points on that? Um, Yeah, well, I just thought that we're all sort of experiencing a collective trauma in the response to this, whether or not your family has been impacted directly by the virus, um, like by actually someone in your family has it or you you have it, or you are just quarantining, sheltering in place. Like we've all experienced like a shaking of our houses right now. And um, it's been helpful to notice like, wow, we do have some weak spots and that's really frustrating. But at the same time, it can, we can look at it as a gift in some ways to say, wow, not that we want to make this all about working on ourselves, but it, it's helpful to see our, like our literal home that we're in all the time now uh, <laughs> and see like, oh, what, where, what are some areas that are weak right now? It's just, I, I find it has highlighted that for me. Yeah. And I kind of wonder if it's to cause us to 
to make the time if we choose to, to, to do the work that actually reinforces and makes it stronger. I think I'm thinking of those bowls in Asia where they take the broken pieces and they put them back together. I think I, maybe I'm making something up, but that they're stronger. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's in Japan. <laughs> Is it Japan? It? Okay. <laughs> where they, yeah, they put it back together with gold. And it makes it more beautiful. I, I is definitely, it stronger or is it just more beautiful? Maybe both. It's, okay. It's not yeah. broken when they're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I would hope that in these weekend areas we're putting attention to and whatever future, I mean, we don't know what the future holds. We only know the one who holds the future. There's probably a song in that or something, but to put the time and the attention towards it. And one thing particularly valuable to our community, since it's, the name of the show is Don't Mom Alone, is our relationships and our connection. And so he encouraged everyone to consider your map of your life. Like, who do you normally connect with? And he gave the example, and I've heard this before, of Jesus. Jesus had his one, John. John wrote the most about abiding. And then you had Peter, James, and John, his three, and then his 12, and then the multitudes. And they're kind of concentric circles coming out. And so he said, in this season where we're isolated, quote unquote, what are your concentric circles and how have you been intentional to maintain them while distanced from people? Which ones remind you of who you are and which ones fuel you? I would definitely say in Jesus's tight, tight middle of his concentric circles was God. And so, you know, are you, are you connecting with God? We've had several episodes on that lately. Who's your person? Is it your your spouse or a parent or um, if you're a single mom, like is it a, a friend? And then who are your three? Who are your 12? And what are you doing to, to make sure you stay connected? Because I think that does take intention. Absolutely. To do that. <laughs> How's that going for you? <laughs> well, I will say um, I tried to be, uh, I've tried to be intentional. Um, I've made some like sort of standing video chat dates with some friends and with my church Bible study group. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's nice to have something on the calendar to look forward to. (laughs) And I'm always surprised how refreshing it is because sometimes I'm just like, Oh, it's just been such a long day. I don't know that I feel like, like connecting with anyone, Yeah, but it's, they are the people who remind me of who I am and speak truth into my places where I'm like believing a lie. And it's been really, really helpful to just have, I mean, like I'm talking twice, two times a week, once on a Wednesday and once on a Sunday, we're connecting. And basically the rest of the time, we're all just like in crisis parenting mode. We don't have time to talk, you know? (laughs) Right. 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 Or the quick check-ins on text or Marco Polo. or Yes. I just got on Marco Polo last week and I'm loving getting to check in with friends with video chat. That's been helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good if it doesn't get too overwhelming. Like if it gets too many people that can be 68 messages and it's like, Oh, that I don't even have time for that. That's like a whole feature length movie. Yeah, it is. It is. That's a little bit too much, but I would, I would agree with you. It's I've had um, our small group. We've stayed meeting on Sundays and we are doing processing where we share our feelings and what we need. Um, And that's been a great connection point. And then had already been a part of this book club talking about Enneagram. And that was super helpful for me on Friday when I kind of had my emotional meltdown to get on there and to hear from them too, that they were hitting a wall and um, had been crying that day. And there's just like a bondedness and that shared grief. And I felt so much better after chatting with them, I just, he talked about a, a research study about a monkey 
that they were trying to train and they were measuring his stress level and they, when they added in his buddy, like his little monkey buddy, his stress level dropped and he was able to perform the tasks. And so he was like, who's your monkey? <laughs> like who, who's with you? And it may not be your spouse. Your spouse may well, not be your monkey. Well, I was going to say, yeah, that it's actually been really healthy for both of us to have some other place to process everything that's going on besides each other, because we just like circle around life is hard. Life is hard. What are we eating tonight? What are yeah. we eating tomorrow? Like, you know, the, that, those kind of things. And it's hard. I like, I don't need to be his only person to process with and same for him. Yeah. That does not decrease stress. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you can kind of keep hitting each other in the same hard places too. And so you want to keep that relationship intact um, while you're going through this and together in your house. Okay. Speaking of your house, let's move on to the third section of the conversation you shared. It was talking about that structural integrity. He said the frame of the house gives a house its shape. And he kind of referenced to a baby's first year being a little more shapeless. And our main job is to connect. I know you moms of firstborns were probably putting more structure on that first year than you've realized now. You're like, maybe I didn't need as much structure as I forced, but a second year of a baby's life, there's more structure, there's more order, and we continue to add order. And he said, why? And it was because when we're building a person, we need them to internalize the external structure and routine. And that helps them have internal self-control and order when the outside world is disordered. As they continue to grow, they, that structure and order helps them when they are in, a, in an unstructured place, in a chaotic place. And when order and structure are removed, like COVID, our anxiety can go up. He said anxiety and OCD go together because um, a system of anxiety tries to find order and control and decrease anxiety. This sense of control helps us chill out. And when we don't have structure, we go into fight or flight. He said humans are control freaks by design, but actually the only thing we can control, and Kirk Martin, who's come on the show so many times, tells us the only thing we can control is ourselves and self-control. But in this COVID... Is, thankfully, <laughs> to the spirit. That, that is. We cannot... and my kids every day. <laughs> yes, we cannot muster it. It is hard enough to get self-control. And in COVID, we've lost freedom. We've seemed to lost control. There's this powerlessness that can settle in. I don't know if you've had that yet. I had it a couple times where I just felt like, ah, what's the point? Just kind of everything shuts down. Instead of me continually to put my best efforts forward to make everything better in our home, I just am like, what's the point? It doesn't make any difference. And that's what happens. Yeah. Well, and there's powerlessness surrounding resources right now, getting food for your people, toilet paper, you have no power over whether or not there's toilet paper in the store right now. Yeah. And that feels very frustrating. <laughs> and you can, I'll get to that in a second. But he was saying like, so you don't feel weird. Like Sarah Jane had said, just tell me that this is normal. It is normal for your metabolic systems that are related to circadian rhythms to shut down when, and then you become depressed when you start, keep getting the message it doesn't make a difference. And you realize I don't have control. You start to shut down and he called it learned helplessness. And he said it can hit in three different ways. Personal saying things like I should have prepared better or feeling shame. There's definitely, I think week two where we were in our little crew feeling a lot of shame and that those messages. Yeah, absolutely. 
And then there was the message I told myself of everything's bad. What does even matter? We're never leaving this place. <laughs> this is how the rest of our lives is going to be. Um, it's very permanent was the, the last one. So personal, pervasive, and permanent are the messages of learned helplessness. And so here's our action points. This kind of has a couple layers to it. But one is make a list of what you can't control. This would be helpful to do even if you're outside of COVID and your husband's lost a job or switched jobs, you have a new kid to the family and you're in a season of just feeling out of sorts and going to that learned helplessness. So make this list. Right now on the list might be the virus. You can't control it, how people spread it, how the government or hospitals respond. Spend 10 minutes, set a timer and list them all off. Getting your children to listen to you when you're trying to teach getting them. Your, getting your kids to listen. Um, but after that 10 minutes, surrender to the one who has control. Take all those things and say, I can't, but you can. And then you're going to make another column of what you can control. Washing your hands, not touching your face, wearing a mask. You can control what, go, what food you eat, um, kind of. I mean, from inside your house, I can decide if I'm going to eat the brownie or if I'm going to have a carrot. I can decide. Well, I was just thinking we can also control the media in our house, the atmosphere yeah. of what yeah. we're bringing in, mm-hmm. um, how, we, how we respond to bad news can be what, something we can control. We can't control how everybody else in our family responds, but we can choose like, okay, I'm going to try to be joyful about this. God, I need your joy. You know, <laughs> help me find the fun in the, in the hard, hard places. Yeah. Gratitude. And I think the second episode, bonus episode, we're going to do about Ian Cron and the Enneagram. He really goes into this for each type, recognizing what you can control and what spiritual disciplines would benefit each type. So we'll talk about that even more about what you can control and help you kind of brainstorm that. He, so what Dr. Cloud also said in this is you can control how you spend your time kind of for moms. This is hard, but I'm going to encourage you. He said, pick three to four things and do them for 10 minutes each. So that's a total of 30 to 40 minutes. That's really hard. That's super hard. I'd say pick one to two, one to two things that you want to do for yourself that is outside of caring for your family, perhaps, or outside of what's just part of your taking care of your home or your job or whatever, but something outside of that. Maybe it's you've always wanted to to pick up running and you start running for 10 minutes or it's writing a book or it's, you know, you love encouraging people. And so you want to spend 10 minutes writing notes to friends. What are those things? And kind of brainstorm because he said what that does is it helps get you out of learned helplessness. It helps you take control of what you can take control. He says it also gives you competency, this sense of accomplishment Um, that encouraging others makes you feel better and it uses your gifts because he said we were made to be fruitful. And so in that space of doing those great, yeah, three to four things, we can be creative. So what are those for you? Have you found that to be hard to find time and space for yourself, Sarah Jane? It certainly, we're all all together all the time. I'm very thankful that my husband is being able to work from home. Um, I do have friends whose husbands were are still needing to go in and work. So they're like also 
momming full time and maybe working full time on top of that. So I, I have some support there. But um, so I actually started doing a practice that I do in the summers when everybody's home is early in the morning, I take a walk by myself because I think that it's the only time that I'll be alone until possibly 8.30 or 9 at night. Yeah. So, yeah. Like actually building in the practice of solitude. And it's hard for me because I'm an extrovert and I'm a three on the Enneagram. So I like to accomplish things. And like solitude feels very not accomplishing anything. <laughs> very but frivolous. it fills yeah. my spirit for what is coming. And I, at least I feel like I can draw on, okay, I've been alone today. I can, I can be with my people a little bit longer. It's like coming up for a big breath of air mm. before taking a long swim or something. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, and, I think that's a good um, idea. I've also started learning to play the guitar. Yeah. I've owned a guitar for uh, six plus years. I bought it when I was pregnant with my second kid. And then I was like, when am I going to have time to do this? It's loud. You can't play it inside. I'll wake the baby up. The baby who's now in kindergarten. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I've started practicing it during uh, just like, again, like that 10 to 15 minutes during rest time. I'll go outside and play in our garage um, so it doesn't wake anyone up. And you're supposed to actually practice really short periods of time so that your fingers and your hands build up strength. So it's been good. I like can't, I'm not supposed to practice longer than that. So that's fantastic. That's no, I love it. You've got your own little garage band. I do. I am the one woman garage band. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, I think if y'all can do that, I know I mentioned solitude sometimes on social media or making time for yourself or reading God's word and moms freak out. Like I had a mom, she was like, I have a two-year-old. How would I ever have time to myself? And I thought, did your two-year-old take a nap? Right? We can choose to make the time. We just often put the needs of our kids ahead of, we forget that we are people too. And we will be much better at this job if we take some time for ourselves. So that was that point on the frame and giving yourself shape, your character, your integrity. Did you have some integrity. things that you were doing, Heather, out of curiosity? My things change every day. My things change every day because I'm a Fliberty gibbet. I'm not as routine <laughs> as I would like to be. So yesterday it was, um, there's this gal on Instagram that I did her little workout. Sometimes I do a- another workout online and or doing something creative really helps me. So today we did that chalk stained glass. That was really helpful or we're giving a dresser to a friend. And so the older boys and I spray painted it today. So that just makes me feel better. I listened to a podcast while I was grocery shopping that kind of helped me get my mind off of the crazy of grocery shopping these days. So yeah, those are, I mean, I'm, I'm writing. If I can, I'll wake up and write a little bit this morning. My boys, my older boys woke up super early, which I had to not get annoyed <laughs> Because I'm like, this is my alone time and you're coming down here. And it was literally part of my prayer was, Lord, help me love them, even though I'm annoyed that I'm not getting quiet time. But yes. Okay. So I'm going to give a couple other things that Cloud said and then we'll be done. Um, He gave the analogy of a movie and he said, you know, when you watch a movie and if you're pausing it or fast forwarding it, the boxes or the the screenshots of the movie kind of scroll across the bottom. You can only see that scene. He said, when there's a moment where someone's attacking someone, the first time he watched the film, or if he just saw like a motion of someone with a knife coming after somebody, that would be terrifying. But if it's a movie he's seen before, when he sees just that still shot of the movie, 
it's not scary because it's part of a bigger narrative. He knows that that bad guy gets caught and then the big good guy wins. And so he said, in this still shot moment of our lives, this season of COVID-19, to stay grounded in the truth of God's greater narrative, to kind of put this moment in the larger story and to reflect back the spiritual practice of Stones of Remembrance, where you remember when God delivered us in the past, um, the Ebenezer Stones, that's what it's called. And so then we know it's the same God and he will deliver us. Uh, He also talked about keeping your mind in check. And we did that episode with Jenny Allen, but not having anxious fictions. Don't create anxious fictions, but make useful predictions. Something that you can, if you're going to think about the future, let's do it in a helpful way. That's going to be a prediction or something you can tangibly do. Not creating these anxiety-driven fictional narratives. Um, and of course, we go back to my mentor, Vicki Kraft, who said, uh, there's no grace for your imagination. So just keeping your mind in check. And I hope all of this is helpful just to know how you're wired, that it's not odd if this has been hard for you. Give each other grace. Help your kids with some of these things. Let them know that if they are anxious or frustrated or whatever their emotion is, that that is how they are made and that's okay. Absolutely. And yeah, I would just say like process those feelings with your spouse, with a friend, with someone from church, um, because it is difficult to really tackle some of those things alone. But I think sometimes voicing the anxious thoughts or the fictions out loud gives them less power. One of my daughters is, uh, well, actually my daughter and my husband both are high risk according to like the virus. Um, And so that has a big place of anxiety for both my husband and for me. Um, So we have really hunkered down with the shelter in place because we're worried that they'll be the ones in the hospital and in the ventilators. And it's just been a constant like turning that back over to God and saying, we're not going to worry about the what ifs right now. And we're just, like you said, going to do what we can control and believe that like, if we get takeout food or something, that takeout food doesn't have the virus on it, you know, and we just, there are places where we have to like surrender and be like, God is bigger than this. We're doing what we can do, you know, and then there's places where I've had to really lean on friends to speak that truth back into me when I don't feel like I have the strength for it. Great advice. We appreciate you all listening in to this special Don't Mom Alone quarantine edition. And we will be with you very soon with another episode. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing, Heather. Of course. Thank you. Okay. Thanks y'all for joining us and come back on Friday. There'll be a special released episode with Sarah Jane and I covering information from Ian Cron, who wrote The Road Back to You with Suzanne Stabile on Enneagram and stress and how each Enneagram type is responding to the crisis and what spiritual disciplines and action points each type should take. So it's really helpful if you are familiar with Enneagram and looking for ways to Be a little more gracious with your people who aren't responding the same way you are. All right, I'm going to pray over us. Lord, I thank you that you are the one who made us. And even in these moments when things are really different, that you have given us ways to trust you, to connect still with those we love. I pray that we would be intentional and not fall into helplessness. I pray against the division that the enemy is trying to cause as everyone responds. 
I pray for marriages. I pray for families. I pray for protection. I pray, Lord, that you would release us from burdens that are not from you, but that if we are desiring to create and to support and to build, um, make the best out of the situation, that we wouldn't feel guilty for that. I pray, Lord, just grace, abundant grace for everyone who is navigating something we have never done before. And thank you, Lord, for the mom who is listening, maybe the dad who's listening, for their desire to know more about you. I pray that they would spend time in your presence remembering that this is a bigger narrative and this is one scene in the whole story and that we can keep that in mind as we keep our eyes fixed on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, y'all, for sharing the show. Thanks for just continually supporting me and telling your friends who are maybe having a hard time right now that they can find support. We have loads of episodes, six years worth of encouragement if if they're looking for it. All right. Thanks, y'all. Have a great day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, While you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.